Before we jump into it, we have a very special announcement. I am proud to be one of Nurture Lee's Board of Director members, and San Diego, I'm excited to tell you that for anyone who is a parent or will be a parent, or anyone who cares about perinatal health and lactation, we want to plug Nurturely's upcoming fundraising event. It's a community science event called the Bubbly Brunch, and it's a benefit for babies. The event will be on Sunday, November 3rd from 12 to 3 p.m. at La Jolla Shores Hotel. Come on down and join us for live music, brunch, bubbles, and prizes. We will also have a lineup of speakers on topics related to lactation, perinatal mood disorders, and sociocultural contributors to racial and social inequalities in health. Check out more details at nurturely.org slash bubblybrunch. Welcome back to the Normalized Breastfeeding Podcast. I'm your host, Vanessa Simmons, and I'm excited to share with you our special guest feature for today. Before we get into it, I'd like for you to click that subscribe button below, share this video or podcast, and be sure to follow us on social media. All right, let's go. Welcome back. We are live with our guest, Kimberly Seals Allers. She is not only one of the co-founders of Black Breastfeeding Week, she is an award-winning journalist. She is nationally recognized as a maternal and infant health advocate and international public speaker. She is a five-time author, and her recent book is The Big Letdown, How Medicine, Big Business, and Feminism Undermine Breastfeeding. And Kimberly Silt Allers is also the founder of the Earth app. It's a digital platform that addresses bias in healthcare interaction. We're so glad to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me. Such an honor. So this is the official Normalized Breastfeeding Podcast. We will be discussing breastfeeding experiences, education, advocacy, activism, and community. Today, we're recording live with Kimberly Seals Allers from Queens, New York. And um, this is episode 19, The Trailblazer, Kimberly Seals Allers. And she's talking about implicit bias being the reason for low Black breastfeeding rates. And so before we get started, I just want to encourage you all to shop the Normalized Breastfeeding brand on our website, normalizedbreastfeeding.org, to support this podcast and content creation. If you're interested in being a featured guest, listen till the end for more information about how to get in touch. Okay, Kimberly, let's get into it. Yeah. So at what point in your career did you feel uh, that as a journalist, you were being pulled into discussions around maternal and infant health? Well, I think like for many women, becoming a mother myself was a key turning point for me. I, as you mentioned, I had a great career in journalism. I was doing my thing primarily as a business journalist, working at Fortune Magazine, uh, the New York Post, um, even went over to Essence to be a senior editor there. And then when I became a mother, really became very alarmed um, at what I was learning about what was going on with Black women, even college-educated Black women in birth, uh, in pregnancy, in birth outcomes, and in breastfeeding. And 
it just really concerned me because I had not considered myself to be um, at risk because I was blessed to have been educated and you know um, and to have resources and to have a, and to have degrees and so you know was completely unaware that you know college educated Black women are still at the same statistical likelihood to have a poor birth outcome, still three times more likely to have a low birth weight baby or preterm birth as, you know, um, as our disadvantaged sisters. And what's even worse is that among white women, uh, income and education are protective factors. Their birth outcomes improve as they increase their education and income, but that is not true for black women. And so this was Very all- yeah, this was really bugging me out, right? right. And um, as one of those people who probably over-researched myself during my pregnancy into a, a tizzy, as in, you know, I was very concerned. And as a journalist, I kept asking why, right? That's always the nature of, of my work is to question. Um, and, you know, I didn't really find any good enough answers. At that time, there were a few people who were starting to look at um, the role of racism and bias and what that means for Black women's bodies and their birth outcomes and breastfeeding rates. Uh, but it was not a conversation that we were having like we're having right now. So my very first book came out back in 2006, not to give away my age, um, <laughs> but um, you know, it was really ahead of its time in terms of talking about uh, how pregnancy um, and childbirth was different for black women. And so very grateful to have been in this conversation for quite some time, but yeah. that was really how I got started. Awesome. Awesome. And so did you receive support from the system when you were in it? And did you receive support from your family when it came to like breastfeeding and such? Yeah. I mean, I think that I was, you know, I, I like many black women had many negative experiences, some positive, some negative in terms of what happened to me during my, uh, birth journeys for both mm -hmm. of my children. I've had two C-sections, really not exactly sure why, and you right. know, just didn't really know the questions to ask and right. um, didn't know what to say at that time. And obviously you're vulnerable, you're afraid, they're telling you something, and I didn't have the tools to, to know what to say, to advocate for myself. And that was another part of what kind of has pushed me further in this work after having children. Um, and then on the breastfeeding side, interestingly, I really didn't have any of my Black girlfriends who were breastfeeding. And so I was really talking to white girlfriends, former co-workers, college, former college friends. Um, and it was, and then again, questioning, why, why is this? And then I had women in my own family who I love dearly, who had supported me through advanced degrees and college and career, who, you know, said things like, well, breastfeeding is for poor people. And why are you doing that? And, you know, it was really a cultural awareness that there was something going on in our community around breastfeeding that was very different than the conversation I was having with my ma mainstream or my white girlfriends. And so again, began to start to inquire uh, and interrogate what was going on there too. Okay. Uh, and so at what point in time did your work connect with um, your co-founders, Kidada Green and Anaya Rose? Uh, what what kind of, or what event took place that kind of pushed the three of you to come together and create such a powerful celebration for Black babies? Yeah. And mothers. <laughs> so Black Breastfeeding Week kind of began as an idea in my head. And I actually wrote a post on mochamanual.com just around infant mortality, these disparities that we were seeing. And I kind of threw it out there like, well, maybe we need a black breastfeeding to start raising awareness for this. But I was just talking. 
Right. So we were all actually in Atlanta at the Rose Conference um, and we started talking and people were like, hey, are you going to do this? Are you serious? And I was like, well, I was just throwing stuff out because I just do that. And Dada and Anaya, we were talking about maybe we could do this. And to be honest, you know, we thought about next year. And then literally at that moment, I got a call from uh, a girlfriend or maybe it was a text and she's, you know, um, a media person. She's on a nationally syndicated radio show. And I just thought it was so odd that right at this time when we we're trying to decide what to do, I would get this call or text. And I said, hey, I'm thinking about, you know, I'm talking to my, my sisters here about kind of launching this. Could you have us on? Could you have me on right. to talk about it? And she said, yes. And I was just like, okay, well, this is- Oh, a yeah. <laughs> This is yeah. the time is now. So we were literally sitting there um, at the Rose Summit and decided to launch it immediately and to, you know, just to see. And I'm so proud that now, you know, after seven years, it's grown, it's international. Um, and it is definitely, I mean, I think this year we had nearly 170 events all over the country yes. for Black Breastfeeding Week. And those yes. are the ones that were just registered with us. So, um, it's a real joy to see that this awareness week has grown um, and that people have made it, it made it their own. That's really what we wanted for it to be something that we kind of create, but don't necessarily have to direct every year. And so it's just been beautiful. Uh, it's been a beautiful journey to see the community and other black women taking this um, up and really giving it legs and breath and life and wings. And uh, I'm just so proud. That's amazing. So was there, do you feel like there was any pushback from the community? Do you think that there is more support for Black breastfeeding now than when it was for, when it was first created? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, there was never any pushback from our community. There was, every year there's pushback from white women who are asking the same silly question, why isn't there a, a white breastfeeding week? Um, right. And that started from the very first year that we created this. And, you know, really want to shout out the many white women in this space who have, you know, worked on their ally skills and have really stood by supporting Black Breastfeeding Week um, and have, you know, really been, have been a positive demonstration of what ally ship can look like. So I really want to to say that. But the community has just been very supportive. I think that, you know, we know that we that we need things for us, right? Yes. And that's not something that we ever have to um, explain. Now, sometimes people have not been aware of the disparities that exist. People are not necessarily aware that for over 40 years, there's been this gaping, um, this, this, this gap between black breastfeeding rates and white breastfeeding. Many people are not aware of the historical trauma, the history and what happened to us during slavery and how we were stopped from breastfeeding our own children and that disrupted the maternal bond. Many people aren't aware of you know, what happened where our communities were targeted for infant formula marketing yes. um, and what the impact was for that. So there's a lot of awareness building that we are creating in the community and there is certainly um, a lack of understanding of how we got here. I think it's almost been unfortunately accepted without understanding that no, this was actually built and there were things that were happening that were intentional, oppressive and beyond our control that kind of right. led us here. And so right. when people were thinking, oh, black women don't breastfeed, no, we actually do. But when we're not, these are the reasons that are often contributing to that. Um, right. And so that's why for me, Black Breastfeeding Week and Black Breastfeeding in itself is really about reclamation. It's about right. reclaiming a tradition that was taken from us, that was um, really removed from something that we did. And remember the reason why we were 
you know, used as wet nurses or, or used as breastfeeding folks was because we did that, right? And we were yes. good at it. And, so, and we were good at it, yes. People, people knew that. And so it was not because we didn't breastfeed that we were used as wet nurses. No, we right. were known for being breastfeeders and and having that part of our cultural heritage. And so that was taken from us. And so we really are about reclaiming that um, and saying, listen, I know you've been trying to feed our communities with you know, inferior food uh, over years, but we are saying that we, we're going to do our best to the you know to the best of our ability to give our babies the most nutritious food from the day they are born. Amen to that. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I just want to touch on the fact that, and I I want to put this out there for the listeners who may have ever had a question. <laughs> But the normalized breastfeeding has always been a Black-led movement. Mm -hmm. And I think when I found out about these disparities and really did the research and started blogging about it and started connecting with people like you and Kadada Green and Anaya Rose and deciding Black Breastfeeding Week is something we are definitely celebrating on this platform, I think it was a real big eye-opener for the people who are following me. And I lost a lot of followers over the years, every Black Breastfeeding Week. It's been mm -hmm. like a continuous, like I expect it. Mm -hmm. And it got to the point where I was like, I'm not explaining this to you guys anymore. I'm gonna post the links in the comments. You feel free to do your own research. There's Google, there's Yahoo, there's, you know, you've got you've got the, the capability now of finding out this information for yourself and making an educated decision for yourself. But I think that, for a long time because I wanted to promote the idea of what normalizing breastfeeding meant. We used our logo for um, representation for quite some time and it didn't specify that it was for black women. But I'll tell you right now, when we had that logo designed, if you look at the vector, majority of the time you see a, a black breastfeeding mom with a white baby because that's the way that vectors work. When I worked with my graphic designer, I said, no, this has got to be a black mom and a black baby. And so it's not, it's not that I was like, you know, we're only promoting black breastfeeding, but I knew that there was some historical evidence that, that showed that black women didn't breastfeed for certain reasons. And that I needed to make sure that it was very clear on my platform that this was about keeping us together. And so um, I, I think I've always kind of struggled with trying to make that very real <laughs> to the community. Uh, however, because my parents come from uh, from Ghana, I also was raised in a very uh, un, unsure place of I never really quite felt black enough and I never really quite felt African enough, you know? And so kind of having that in my own uh, journey into motherhood and then learning about these disparities, it was very empowering to see women like you and Kadada and Anaya who said, no, we're free to breastfeed now and we're reclaiming our power. And I I, I felt very encouraged to continue on this journey um, as as running normalized breastfeeding and saying, look, I'm 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 gonna give this information to you, but it's definitely coming from a black perspective. And I want people to understand that, you know. Mm -hmm. And you know, really want to applaud, you know, your work and thank you for taking that stand. And I think it's so unfortunate that people can't see that 
something that can be for everyone can also carve out a space to be something else at a particular time for those who are carrying the biggest burden. This is why this is so troubling. I mean, like you, I mean, when I talk about the big letdown and, and my book, right. that's about things that affect everyone. Um, right. But but there are nuances, right? And the fact right. that we can only see breastfeeding as is either for white women or it's for black women is really troubling. And that's what, you know, I believe is the power of normalized breastfeeding because it, it can ask the question, normalize it for whom and how, right? And that yes. it takes to normalize breastfeeding for from a mainstream perspective may be very different from what is very different normalized breastfeeding in the black community or even the native, or in the native community, right? Yeah. And the yes. fact that you know the the normalized movement can be layered is is a beauty and an asset and it's unfortunate that people uh don't see it as that way because that's the real beauty of it it's like yes we are normalizing breastfeeding but we have to accept that that looks differently for different people exactly and that find this one size fits all which statistically has not worked right look at the right. numbers is right. that we need to think about this in a more nuanced way. Um, so please, you know, hopefully they will come back. And if not, that is unfortunate. But, you know, as a, those of us who are advocating for breastfeeding, always need to let people know, like, no, there, there are layers to this ish, as they say. Besides breastfeeding or the big letdown, yes, there are things that are the same for all of us. And there are parts that are unique to some of us. And all very of that different. needs to be addressed. Um, talked about, identified, and, 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 you know, developed solutions for. So, you know, we really need this layered conversation and get out of this, you know, breastfeeding is the same for all nonsense because it's just not true. It's not. It's not. So, okay. So let's dive into your article. So okay. what was your initial emotion or thought that made you start drafting this article? Dear white women, are you behind what's suppressing black breastfeeding rates? Mm-hmm. Well, I think, you know, all of my writing comes from my experiences for the, you know, for the most part in some way or another. And one of the things that I've noticed as I've been developing my voice in this space is that there are a lot of power struggles. You know, I travel all over the country and all over the world uh, speaking in breastfeeding circles. And when I hear the stories about the power struggles, when I hear the concerns about Black women getting, having a voice, when I hear the concerns about the things that I say, I'm like, huh. Okay. And so what is very concerning to me, particularly as I travel, are the Black women and women of color who will pull me aside and say, you know, can you help us? We've been trying to ask these white women who have been leading these groups or coalitions or leaders or whatever they're calling themselves, wherever they are, and they aren't listening to us, you know? Mm -hmm. And it was clear that there was an issue of power Right. Not about intent, right? Because the white women are like, hey, Kimberly, they'll have me come and speak, but they're right. really giving up power to the local black and brown women to allow mm -hmm. them to lead the work. And those are right. two different things, right? Very and different things, yes. Very different things. And so this idea that there are issues of power in this movement are is 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 what I observed. And so I wanted to write something that really spoke to that because mm -hmm. like I said in the piece, I think that there's a disconnect, right? And right. because uh breastfeeding advocacy does come from a good place. No one's here to get rich, right? And so if you're out there helping women, there is a liberal do-goodism piece of you, right? And so mm -hmm. to challenge that to say, but actually you can be a good person and still have biases and still act in racist ways is right. something that needs to be said. And 
we need to address it. And so for me, when we're talking about dealing with disparities, it's not just about, um, you know, having a black breastfeeding week or having black IBLC, C, IBCLCs that are critically important. It's also about talking about power and privilege because we don't need all of these black IBCLCs and CLCs all circulating down here and never rising up. That's not going to work. So, um, you know, there's there's a conversation that needs to be had. And I have been a person who sparks conversations, sometimes provocative ones, for the sake of the work. And so I, I wanted to to make sure that I said that and put it out there for people to discuss. Wonderful. So you talk about the statistics uh, with Black women having the lowest initiation and duration of breastfeeding. What was your own experience? How long were you able to breastfeed? Mm -hmm. I, bed, I breastfed both of my children for over 12 months. I think my daughter was ended up being 14. My son was closer to 12, 13. Um, but at the time, I really had a job that allowed me to take an unpaid leave. They would hold your job for up to a year. And right. so I even recognized my privilege in being able to do that because when I see what these mothers are going through, pumping and going right. back to work, I, I take my hats off to them. Yes. Um, I, you know, I can honestly say I don't know if I would have been able to sustain my breastfeeding journey or meet my goals if I had to go back to work and pump for six months out of that year. So right. I'm very grateful for the privilege that I had in terms of what my employer um, gave. And as a writer, I was able to freelance and I was working, but yeah. uh, I was able to take an unpaid leave for up to a year, which allowed me to meet my breastfeeding goals. That's amazing. I'm glad that you had that support in the, in, in the industry that you were in. Yes. So you talk about the white privilege and power dynamics what can white women gain and lose by stepping back and allowing um, women of color to step into the gap and support their own people? Yeah, I think white women can only win. I mean, this it's 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 a win-win because I think that they've been operating from a scarcity mentality, like you know. And I said in the piece, the quote from Mars Lord, who says, "It's not pie, right? A piece right. for me does not mean you have less." And I think that's the mentality, like if we give these women access, what's gonna to happen to us? But they didn't think that actually these women can access women that you can't, that you've been unable to access, historically right. the numbers prove it, and right. that actually there will be so many more women that we that we will all have, right? In, right. In but right. when you view it as it takes away from me, then there's a problem. Problem number yes. two, is when you're when you've centered yourself and not the work, right? Mm -hmm. It's not about you. Um, right. And really, if you actually cared about this work beyond saying that to yourself, and you looked at what was going on with Black women and Black babies, if you look at the his, the historic um, disparities of support. I talk in that article about La Leche League, which is a great right. organization, but historically, where have they been in white affluent suburbs, right? Catering to women who don't even work which right. has left out women of color from what many consider to be one of the uh, most amazing uh, sources of support for women, not just in their right. community advocacy work, the legal work they have done. Right. So when you look at this history, it has excluded black and brown women, and we need to repair that disparity. We need to repair that harm that was done to the black breastfeeding relationship through support, and they need to be a part of that solution. Um, so it's, it's really just a win-win 
and really helping them to see that we need to get away from the scarcity mentality and that when we can access more women and that when you allow black women and you learn how to be an ally and black women can even help you have right. greater relationships and things like that within the community, that everybody wins. As long as they're thinking this takes something away from me, then uh, we're, we're not going to get there and it's not going to create the community of support. The other thing that's been really interesting for me, and I talk about this a lot as well, is how the movement is mirroring the women. Right. Mm. So you can't be talking to women and saying, hey, we're all in this together. We need to. And then as a movement, we're not reflecting that. We're not even a demonstration of that because we're having our own fighting of our own. It may not be breast milk over formula, but it's our own version of a, of a cat fight. And so exactly. how are we actually trying to help mothers when we are reflecting some of those things that we claim that we want to eliminate? So. It, it really is a win-win for everyone. And we have a lot to lose. We have so much to lose. We have lose. so much to lose. And we've been losing for so long. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Um, I love that you said that um, it's really, there. there's always going to be one type of fight or another. Like I have always, I was just interviewed yesterday and they asked me about normalized breastfeeding and what does that mean to you? And I'm like, well, listen, it's more than just breastfeeding in public, right? Like we have this whole community of mothers that can't even get along over the topic of how what kind of diapers they're going to use. Like we need to find ways that we can unite and build because this is where we lose people is when we say, oh, all of us are gonna do this. And then there's a whole set subset of people who are like, well, we can't do that. Or we have these you know, issues that are preventing us from being able to do that, whatever it might be. Um, if you think about cloth diapering, it's not something that a, a woman who is working full-time can do. I'm sorry, it's just yeah. not, it's not feasible. You know, Even yeah. if you love those cloth diapers and you're like, I want the best for my baby's bottom, it's just not feasible, right? Unless you've got somebody coming to your house and doing all of the prep work for you. So I feel like, you know, if, if, if we're able to really focus on just unity in general, and if it means making a pivot or a shift to accommodate people who are suffering, like black women and their black breastfeeding rates, then I think it's necessary that we do that as a community as a whole. Um, but that will take time because the, the community has always been segregated if you consider it going back to slavery. So yeah. and I think yeah. as, as a community of mothers, we really have to look at the way commercial interests have always tried to pit us against each other. Like we, yes. we have to get smarter as women to see that, you know, there was a reason why there was a soccer moms and the dis moms, right? Because then you right. buy a certain thing and you buy a certain station wagon or you buy a certain car. It's like a lot of these wars, quote unquote, mommy wars, which I don't subscribe to, they've been created because, yes. they, because they drive commercial interests. And when we can get wise to that and to understand that every, every mother is doing the best that she can. Another thing that I think we have to un have more is empathy, right? Like to your point, I may have the best intentions for cloth diapering, but I have to work full time. And while there may be some sort of um, mechanism out there, can I afford it, right? It's right. like, no, your experience, not everybody's experience. No. Um, and so when we can create space for empathy and to understand that we all may have some sort of privilege, I talked about the privilege that I had in terms right. of having a job that did give me an unpaid leave, um, and you know, which is really unacceptable. But, right. <laughs> but, but the fact of, of the nature of what I do allowed right. that to be possible, right? So if right. I, I could not have taken an unpaid leave 
was no work. That just wasn't right. possible. But the nature of what I do allowed me to work anyway. So again, these are the nuances and the complexities that we have to start understanding. Um, right. And that, you know, not everybody's journey is the same, but that doesn't make it any less valuable. That doesn't make it any less, you know, important, worthy of celebration. And so we really have to think about this whole competitive thing that, you know, we've been sucked into that has nothing to do with the true intent of all mothers. So I have a final question for you, and it has to do with the WHO code and where do you see black women? How do you see black women being affected by this code? Do you subscribe to the code? Are you trying to promote and protect and support the code? How do you feel about how this is affecting our community? Mm -hmm. So we know that the WHO code is incredibly important um, and that you know we need more protections against infant formula marketing. Black women have been one of the most harmed by the unethical marketing practices of the infant formula industry. So yeah, I work hard every day to help to make sure the principles of the WHO code are upheld. You know, nobody has been harmed more than by unethical infant formula marketing than black and brown women, not just in the US, but all over the world. Okay, so that is very particular. I'm very, very clear about that. One of the issues that I think um, have come up for me, because again, we don't need one size fits all in breastfeeding, right? We need to understand the nuances and complexities is as it relates to bottles, right? Because bottles are part of um, what is under who code in terms of not marketing bottles, but in communities where I work, women need bottles because they're going back to work. We live in the only industrialized nation without a federal paid leave. Now right. we are learning that 25% of women are going back to work 10 days after giving birth. I've seen women returning to work five days after giving birth. And so if they even have a shot at giving their baby breast milk, it's going to be in a bottle. Yes. And we have to accept that. And yes. those women have the rights to... Uh, I have the best bottle they think they, they need to have, right? right? And so this is where it gets a little bit complex. The other thing that I'm concerned about, and this also relates to your previous question about power and privilege, much of the advocacy for the WHO code has been white women-led. Right. And this advocacy has been across the board, one size fits all. Everybody is, you know, this is the way and this is not the way. And I'm not necessarily always okay with that. I think that anytime anyone is pushing and across the board, um, you know, rule without talking about, and that doesn't mean that I will go stand on any picket line, but we need to be talking about what are the complexities, what are the nuances, and, and what do we know? And I think that if you look at what's happening in Black communities and among Black advocacy for breastfeeding, we're aware that it's just not that Uh, black and white for our communities. And we're looking for acknowledgement of that. Instead, what we often get in return is again, this hard line, it has to be this way or no way, white women dictating what the rules are, white women dictating who who they're going to scold as they like to, you know, think they're scolding me. No. (laughs) I appreciate that answer. I do. It's been a difficult, a difficult space for me to work around, um, with running normalized breastfeeding and I've walked away from thousands of dollars because of it. And not to say that I care about the money, but my children need to eat, yeah. you know, and 
for people who don't know me or know me personally, I don't share a lot of my personal life, but I don't make money doing this. And that's just the truth. If I'm doing photography and things like that, going out and speaking, then yes, I'm able to, you know, receive some type of an income or monetary, uh, 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 I, sorry, I just lost my train of thought. I was looking at the time. Um, but yes, I, I, I do agree with you. I think that there are a lot of these spaces that are, have been nav navigated in this way. And we do need to sit down and really talk with the entire community and really talk about the nuances and such. So I appreciate I mean, that I'm answer. I go harder into formula companies every day, all day, every day. And that's, that is for me, my line in the sand and something that I would never really do. Right. But, you know, as we look at some of these other things around bottles, around pumps, around the things that we know women need in the realities of the breastfeeding experience in this country, then we need to have a conversation. We need right. to at least have a dialogue amongst ourselves about what we can do. You know, I've been talking about a who code for the 21st century. Maybe it's who code 2.1 that right. now includes the needs of black and brown women, and not just as in, in a protectionist way, like these white women are out there trying to protect the black and brown women in Africa and in India, et cetera, et cetera. Thank you. But also that includes black and brown women as people who need to be at the table and developing at the table exactly the iteration of the code needs to be we, we, to, we are, to we give targets of right of we are at the table making sure that our concerns and our perspectives are included in your next resolution right Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, okay. I just want to say, I truly appreciate you taking the time before your flight to come on and podcast with me. Um, you're amazing. I love you. You're beautiful. I'm so grateful for your presence in this community. You've been a huge motivation, inspiration to me. Um, any social media shout, shout outs or shameless plugs? I know you've got this Earth app working. It's like doing such amazing stuff right now. What do you want to say? Yeah, I would definitely love everyone to check out what's going on with the Earth app. Please follow us on Instagram at the Earth app. And that's Earth, which is, is I-R-T-H. It's the word birth, but we dropped the B for bias. Um, and as Vanessa knows, I've been working really hard to think about how we can address bias and healthcare interactions. So Earth is a Yelp-like digital platform that would allow you to find a review from someone like you. I mean, part of my pregnancy story is that I got a hospital and doctor recommendations from my white girlfriends and they were glowing about this hospital and I left they're traumatized. I was dismissed. Mm. My breastfeeding wishes were ignored. I've I had a C-section that I can't explain. So many mm. things happen in terms of being dismissed and silent and, and ignored. And, you know, later we joke, like, were we at the same place? But the fact is, people don't experience the same place the same way. At that time, I was on student insurance. I was not yet married. And I was treated like an unwed Black woman with basic insurance. That's how I was treated. I'll never forget that. And so what we really want to do with Earth is to create on the front end a community where people now can see how would, how did someone like me in my income category, in my race, in my sexual orientation, in my gender identification, how right. did someone like me get treated? Because that's where I want to go. And exactly. on the back end, we're taking this data, we're taking all these experiences, putting them together, turning them into qualitative data to use it as a tool for change. So that now we can go to those hospitals and say, hey, funny thing, 80% uh, of the black women in our app are saying this, or 90% of the Latina women, or the mm. same-sex couples, or whatever it is, so that we can hold them mm. accountable. Yes. These physicians and doctors and hospitals have not been held accountable for their behavior, and we can protect ourselves on the front end. Right. 
and we can be a tool for change on the back end. So that's what I'm excited about with Earth. We've had a lot of great news going on. We just uh, made over, got over $300,000 in grants from, from different um, foundations. I'm flying out to California to hopefully we can get some good news about out there. And, uh -huh. um, um, you know, I'm excited about the journey uh, and it's been a great growth opportunity for me. I also just want to say quickly, Earth began as a project with me and my um, coding kid son. We yes. started attending app development classes together at NYU, my, my, my alma mater, which had free classes for alum. And, you know, it's wow. beautiful to see that my son has been a part of something that I created as a result of my experience giving birth to him. And yes. the fact that our children can be our teachers and lead us in this work is something that I'm incredibly proud of. Just gave myself goosebumps. I just got goosebumps too. They say, and a child shall lead them, right? That's right. So. That's right. That's right. Oh, thank so, you so much. About that. Please feel please follow me at I um at I am Ozalers, I A M K C Ozalers on Twitter, on Instagram, and on Facebook. Um, and you know, let's keep working on this together. So grateful for all the work you're doing, Vanessa. Thank you. Thank you for being a leader in this space. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for tuning in. Again, my name is Vanessa Simmons and I'm your host of the Normalized Breastfeeding Podcast. We're looking forward to hearing your story and featuring you on this platform. Send us a message if you'd like to be featured or email me directly at vanessa at normalizedbreastfeeding.org.